0: You know, on on earth, our family is usually our greatest love, isn't it? Those that have raised us, those that we grew up with under the same roof, those that we have birthed and those that we have raised ourselves, those are our first bonds in life and often our closest ones throughout our lives as we grow older hopefully we make other friends right we have other closer relationships but from the beginning god ordained the family father mother brother daughter brothers sister son and daughter right to be to be our family and god ordained that and that's our first place of love and belonging. Tonight, as we remember the suffering and the sacrifice of our Lord and Savior, I'm reminded of a story of another family. A family in Genesis 22. And i read this story. Genesis 22, 1 through 14. It says, Sometime later, God tested Abraham. And he said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey, and he took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied, the fire and wood are here, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it, He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on this boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up, and there in a thicket he saw a ram caught by the horns, and he went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. You know, in this culture that we're reading about here in Genesis 22, family meant everything. Even more than now, back then, your family was literally your lifeline. It was your primary source of love, security, and guidance, not to mention food, shelter, and protection. It was your help around the home, or in the kitchen, or in the field, It was your help in time of need, and in time of sickness, or old age. While the marriage relationship is what stabilizes the family, the marriage relationship is the core of the family unit. The bond between a parent and child is often what drives the family in one direction or another. Isn't that true? How parents nurture their children and how the children respond Determines in large part whether there's joy or there may be heartache in the home. And realistically, we know that there's always some of both. As far as we know, Abraham and Sarah had a good marriage, it wasn't perfect. And we know from other passages in Scripture that Abraham, out of fear, he lied at times about his relationship with Sarah right he told others that sarah was his sister right so that they wouldn't kill him and take him take her from him and i'm sure sarah wasn't perfect either but isaac's birth in their old age right abraham scripture says genesis 22 verse 21 says abraham was 100 years old when isaac was born and sarah was 90 Right, kind of old to play ball. Right? Kind of old to chase them around the house. Kind of old right, to ride bikes. Renee, Renee and I were almost uh, 37 when we had our first child. Right? Nothing compared to 90, 100, but even 37 was considered old to start a family. Isaac's birth was a high point in Abraham and Sarah's life. It was a high point. It was, he was the fulfillment of a promise that God would bless them and make their descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky. Isaac was the key to their legacy, their future, and God's plan in their lives. All their hopes and dreams were wrapped up in this child. And so you can imagine, you can imagine how sick Abraham felt when God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, and sacrifice him. Now God wasn't condoning human sacrifice, but he was testing Abraham's devotion to him. Put yourself in in Abraham's place for just a moment. This is an impossible request, isn't it? I mean, cut my hand off, right? Take out my knees, but don't ask me to sacrifice my child. But to Abraham's credit, he didn't waver, he didn't delay, right? Scripture tells us the next morning he set out, he steadfastly moved forward, and it breaks our hearts. When they're walking along the way, and innocently, Isaac asks him, Father, where's the burnt offering? Where's the sacrifice? On the cross, on this day, God sacrificed his only son. His only son, whom he loved more than anything, You see, the Trinity, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, they are one. But they have a social relationship with each other. They interact with each other, like we do as a family, a communion with one another, a mutual love and devotion. But unlike the story of Abraham and Isaac, On this day, there would be no reprieve. On Good Friday, there was no alternative sacrifice. There was no substitution. There was no ram in the thicket to take the son's place. On this day, we bear witness to a God who, despite his own desires, gave up his only son. And what of Isaac? Right? Did he fight or argue? Did he resist his dad? He was compliant, wasn't he? He followed along. He moved along and did what Abraham asked. He trusted his father even to the point of being bound and laying on the wood. In this passage, we see in a very real, personal way Jesus' willingness to suffer and die. On this day, Jesus went obediently to the cross as a willing lamb of God. Isaiah 53, 7, just the verses right after what Amanda read. It says, he was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shearers is silent so he did not open his mouth my friends went to the cross he went to the cross willingly this was not a case where he was forced to do something out of his control he went because he knew he was the lamb of god and he went in our place he went in our stead He was beaten and nailed to a cross for us. This is the irony that the spotless, blameless King of Kings and Lord of Lords, the beloved Son of God, would die for you and me. And we have to ask ourselves, what kind of love is this? that a father would sacrifice his own son, that a son would willingly suffer and die for others, that a king would die for his subjects, all so you and I might be forgiven and invited into the family of God. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us have turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Beloved, God's love and mercy are free. They are free. They cost you nothing. We had no part in earning them. There's no way we could purchase his mercy and his love. They're a gift to those who believe and would follow him. But make no mistake the sacrifice was costly. It cost the Father. It cost the Son. Christ paid the price for you and me. Amen.
1: You stay the same When hope is just a distant thought You take my pain And you lead me to the cross What love is this That you gave your life i look to you i see the scars upon your hands and hold the truth that when i can't you always can What a-
0: This evening I've, I've asked Eric Lestick um, to read parts of Matthew 27 for us this evening. Matthew 27 is the account of Jesus' trial and his crucifixion and his suffering. And so as, as Eric reads, um, let us focus on God's word, focus on the sacrifice of the cross.
2: Early in the morning, all the chief priests and the elders of the people made their plans how to have Jesus executed. They bound him, led him away, and handed him over to Pilate, the governor. Now, it was the governor's custom to, at the festival, to release a prisoner chosen by the crowd. At that time, they had a well-known prisoner whose name was Jesus Barabbas. So when the crowd had gathered, Pilate asked them, which one do you want me to release to you, Jesus Barabbas or Jesus who is called the Messiah? But the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas and to have Jesus executed. Which of the two do you want me to release to you? Asked the governor. Barabbas, they answered. What shall I do then with Jesus who is called the Messiah, Pilate asked. They all answered, Crucify him. Why? What crime has he committed? asked Pilate. But they shouted all the louder, Crucify him! Then he released Barabbas to them, but he had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. Then the governor's soldiers took Jesus into the praetorium and gathered the whole company of soldiers around him. They stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him, and they twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on his head. They put a staff in his right hand. Then they knelt in front of him and mocked him. Hail, King of the Jews, they said. They spit on him, and they took the staff and struck him on the head again and again. After they had mocked him, they took off the robe and put his own clothes back on him Then they led him away to crucify They came to a place called Golgotha There they offered Jesus wine to drink mixed with gall, but after tasting it he refused to drink it When they had crucified him they divided up his clothes by casting lots From noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn from top to bottom. The earth shook, rocks split, and the tombs broke open. When the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and all that had happened, they were terrified, and they exclaimed, surely he was the son of God.
0: Thank you, Eric. May the Lord add the blessing to his blessing to the reading of his holy word. I just want to check and see if everybody has a rock. Uh, we mentioned this at the beginning of the service. And uh, if you would just raise your hands real quickly. If you don't have a rock, um, Glenn is going to come in. Just keep your hands raised if you need a rock. This, we're going to do a bit. Uh, JR is bringing the basket in. Not Glenn. <laughs> I want everyone to ha- have a rock. Everyone to um, be able to participate if you, if you would like to as a way of coming before the Lord this evening. I'd like us to do a short reflection activity. The cross, the cross that we see here, you know, we have the cross, right, up top. Um, On Good Friday, on Easter, we, we bring out, you know, this old, dirty, rugged cross. I think it... I think it symbolizes more of the cross that Jesus was crucified on on this day. The cross is intensely personal. The cross and what Jesus did, he did out of obedience to the Father and out of love for you and me. His body was pierced and his blood was shed for our salvation. And as Burke plays, I invite you, I invite you to take a moment now and just to come before the Lord and to pray where you're at. Just pray quietly to thank God for his love and mercy, to thank God for his sacrifice of his son and for Jesus' willingness to go to the cross and express what you need to to the Lord. Whatever the Lord is putting on your heart now. And after a couple of minutes, if you're able, I invite you to come forward to the cross, to get out of your seats, to come forward to the cross and bring your rock. Bring your rock with you. And this rock is a symbol it's just a symbol there's nothing special about it but it is a symbol for us it's a symbol of our repentance to the lord repentance of our sins recognition that jesus died for our sins repentance for your sin and your devotion to the lord that's how i want you to think of this rock And I invite you to come to pray at the cross, to confess, to repent, and place your rock at the foot of the cross. Again, this rock represents your repentance and your devotion. And your coming forward is an act of worship. An act of worship to the Lamb of God. And after a few minutes, after a little while, we'll continue in worship.